there are two tales waiting for you, told one after the other by an odd set of two. So prepare yourself, dear one, because this is Drops of Darkness. I am Stranger, and I tell only fantasies. Whenever your world has a grip on your throat, I am there, waiting to unleash the monsters that sleep in my mind so that they may remind you that you have sharp teeth and claws of your own. Liv was granted the freedom to roam the facility on one condition. She was to never break the rules set by the Guardian, and she never intended to. In fact, she hadn't even done it yet. At this point, her hand was merely hovering, trembling over the door's handle, and to her credit, she wanted nothing more than to turn around and let her feet carry her back to her quarters. But that's where the sound had grown the loudest. It started a few nights ago, and at first it was faint. The scraping, the tapping, scratching, it was all throughout the facility. But last night... As the lights dimmed to the faint orange glow that signaled dusk in the outside world, the sounds began again. They gathered, now thudding, screeching and tearing, converging into an unsettling symphony above her bed. Liv's fingers traced the cold handle, and she could hear the faint trill of electricity that powered the wall of monitors in the control room. Despite her sweating palm and tight chest, she'd be lying if she said she wasn't a little excited by just being this close to something new, something different, something other than the daily blood tests, the tissue samples, the experiments, and recently the fittings of the mechanical modifications that the Guardian once promised her. As the last pure human in a world ravaged by vampires and machines that she would never need. That's why they were here, to bring forth a new generation of humans. Born from her DNA, to replace the ones wiped out by their own technology that was supposed to make them stronger than their enemy. And the remaining unmodified few that were devoured within weeks by hordes of starved vampires. On the other side of that door was a view of a world she'd never seen. And the only way to find out for sure if that's who finally found them. The horde. While one hand trembled, the other was perfectly still at her side. Its surface as smooth and cold as the metal handle that she now firmly gripped. I wondered what rebelliousness I'd unleashed when I decided to let you run free, little one. Liv quickly pulled her hand behind her back and spun to face the guardian who had been hovering silently behind her. She wasn't sure how much of the scientist was still left organic, as the only flesh visible amongst the mech was the top half of their face. Minus their eyes, she assumed, which were black from corner to corner. But where Liv expected to see anger or disappointment in the black orbs, there was something else in the way her caretaker looked at her. There was pride tinged with sadness, 
It was the same look they gave her whenever she made it through another experiment or modification without screaming. I thought you'd come to me when it started, and I would be able to explain how and why our time here is at an end. But, they continued, cutting off Liv's chance to respond, this is better. This means it really was time. They gestured to the door, which, with hesitation, Liv slowly opened. She gasped at the scene displayed across the monitors. Hundreds, if not thousands of vampires, shriveled to near bone from starvation, had descended upon the outer dome of the facility and were burrowing through cement and steel. They were using their bare hands and teeth to chip away at the fortress, and when one of them dropped, with their teeth broken and their fingers worn to stubs, two would replace them. What you said about it being time, what did you mean? Liv asked, unable to take her eyes off the screens. That it was time to set off the beacon, said the Guardian, their voice quiet and sure. You led them here? Why would you do that? Because my work is done, child, they replied, the surface of their mechanical hand glinting in the blue light of the monitors as it came to rest on Liv's shoulder. No, it's not, Liv said, hearing metal clash against metal as she grabbed the Guardian's wrist and pushed their hand away. You were supposed to bring back humans, to bring back more of us. The Guardian slowly twisted their arm in the light. Inspecting the finger-shaped dents, Liv left around their wrist. More of you, little one. They brought their hand to the lower half of their face. Air hissed as they disconnected the shield that covered their mouth. Between the Guardian's pale lips were fangs. When I found you still clutching to that woman's cold chest, I brought you here for one purpose to create livestock, so my people wouldn't be reduced to this, they said, gesturing at the images on the monitors. If I could recreate humans without the capability of rebellion, who can't fight back, maybe there would finally be peace. But once I was away from my kin, from the blood, the violence of our ways became obvious and I realized that humans were not the only proponents of discord. I decided then to leave my work unfinished, and let this world cleanse itself of both our species, perhaps make way for something new. I felt no need to continue my existence at that point, but there was you, so small and so fragile, and yet so brave. Never once shying away from my needles, because I told you you were the only one who could save the world, and you believed me. I would have stopped taking your blood if there was a way for me to survive in my right mind without it. There was a crash somewhere inside the facility, and when Liv looked back at the screens, she saw countless vampires pour into the hole they had made. I decided I would allow myself to live long enough to find a way to turn my lie into truth. And I have. They pressed against a panel on their side, 
and pulled something from the compartment within their fabricated ribs. One last needle, my dear, and you will usher in something new. In their hand, they held out two syringes, but Liv paid them no attention. All this time you were feeding off of me? Lying to me? Liv backed away from the Guardian, the only caretaker she'd ever known, who was not only a stranger to her now, but a vampire. A monster. No different than the Horde, now shrieking through the facility, all hungry, and all following the scent of human blood. Yes, and now I'm giving you something you've never had. A choice. You are ready to choose. This world belongs to you now and you decide what becomes of it. This one, they said, holding up a black syringe, will end your life quickly, painlessly, and will render your blood poisonous. It will be the end, and you will free yourself, and eventually this world, as the vampires wither away. And this one, they said, holding up the other syringe filled with a liquid that shifted colors in the light, will give you every gift I could get out of what flesh I had left. My vampiric strengths, including my ability to turn others. But you, you will not require blood to survive. You will get to keep your humanity and every vampire I've led here for you to turn. They will become your new generation. Liv looked back and forth between the two syringes. What about you? She asked. No matter your choice, I will stay with you until it is done. Until you are either dead, or the change is complete. After that, you will no longer need me, and my task will be done, and it will not take long for them to tear me apart. I have given too much to survive the change, and I have done too much to deserve a different fate. The modifications I've given you, plus your new strength, will allow you to begin your work with the vampires in the facility, and then you will all go out into your new world, if that's what you so choose. They were at the door now, and it wouldn't hold for much longer. You said the choice is mine? said Liv, over the banging and the scratching. Yes, but you won't have it for much longer, little one. Liv stared at the black liquid that swirled in the one syringe, before pointing to the other as she rolled up her sleeve. She didn't feel the needle go in, but she felt everything else. The ripping and reassembling of each of her cells. The sudden and complete rejection against the modifications, before her changed flesh pulled them in even tighter against her bones. As she took her first gasp of air, the door gave way, and the Guardian moved in between her and the Horde. And for the first time, they smiled with only pride, and no sadness, as the rabid vampires began to tear away pieces of them. But Liv had made another choice, one she would act on before setting out to create her new world. She picked up the black syringe, and in an instant, was holding the needle against the Guardian's temple. A different fate, she whispered in her caretaker's ear, sinking the needle through their skull and pressing down on the plunger 
without sadness. Hello everyone. In between stories, we'd like to highlight a cause that is worth our collective attention. For January, we decided to highlight the Southern Poverty Law Center. This is a nonprofit that is dedicated to seeking justice, battling bigotry, and promoting equality. For over five decades, they've tirelessly worked towards dismantling hate and intolerance in all its forms. You can find out more and donate at www.splcenter.org or from the link on our website at dropsofdarkness.com. Now, back into the shadows we go. I am someone, and I tell only truth. Whenever something slithers through the barrier between worlds, I am there. Not to stop them, but to watch them and remind you of the countless terrors your kind has survived all on their own. This story was submitted by an anonymous listener who noted that the names in their story have been changed for privacy. My name is Emma, and I shared a room with my older sister Mallory for the first 12 years of my life. We did not get along, so I asked for my bed to be as far away from hers as possible. Obviously, this wouldn't do much, since a dickhead is still a dickhead, whether they're 10 feet away or 15 feet away but it at least put my bed right by the door, which for some reason made me feel better. We'd been asleep for a few hours one night when I woke up out of nowhere. And I mean like I went from a dead sleep to eyes wide open. I always slept facing away from my sister and I didn't want to give it away that I was awake in case she was trying to mess with me. So I stayed perfectly still and just listened. After a few minutes, I heard snoring, and Mallory wasn't that good of an actor, so I relaxed a bit and just tried to go back to sleep. I'd just started to drift off again when I heard what it was that I'm guessing woke me up the first time. Emma. The voice was quieter and softer than I think my sister's voice had ever been in her life, but still that's who I thought just called my name, so I ignored it. Emma. The second time I heard it, it sounded closer to my bed. I was only about eight or nine at the time, and it was the middle of the night, so I still thought it was Mallory. This didn't mean I wasn't scared, though. The only thing my sister was good at was being a monster. Emma. I'd already curled up into a ball when I heard it the third time. It was right behind me, at the edge of my bed. I could hear now that it wasn't really whispering, the voice was just that raspy. I was startled hearing it that close, and I reacted without thinking, spinning around while shoving myself to the opposite side of the bed. It was a girl, or at least it looked like one. I can't remember if she was standing at the edge of my bed or if she was kneeling. But either way, her face was perfectly level with mine. She had long, black hair covering most of her face. The only thing I could really see well was her cracked gray lips. Over this thing's shoulder, 
I could see my sister still in her bed. Emma! I remember feeling breath on my face when she said my name again. I panicked and immediately threw the covers over my face. It was summer at the time, so my blanket was thin. I could still see the shape of this thing by my bed, so I did what any eight or nine-year-old would do and shut my eyes as tight as I could. I don't know how long I stayed like that, but I probably wouldn't have moved for the rest of the night if it wasn't for the fact that after a bit, I realized I really, really had to pee. I'm in my 30s now, and I still remember the stress of trying to decide when and how I'd make a break for it. I refused to sleep with the door completely shut, so I stuck my arm out behind me from under the blanket and felt around until I found the edge of the door. I pushed it so it would swing open, threw off my covers, and then half fell, half jumped out of bed and into the hallway. I'm not sure what it was about being out in the dark hallway versus our room that at least had some moonlight, but I wasn't scared anymore. Like, whatever that was, it only mattered when I was on the other side of that door. I went pee, grabbed a blanket and spare pillow out of the closet, and I spent the rest of the night sleeping on the floor of my brother's room. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Drops of Darkness, which is written, voiced, and produced by Anodyne Vaughn and Cameron Helquaik. If you enjoyed your drift into the shadows, help keep the stories alive by sharing the show, leaving a review, and if you really want to earn the favor of these dark storytellers, tether yourself to their world by tapping subscribe. If you have a true paranormal story of your own that you'd like to be read by someone, you can make the offering to submissions at dropsofdarkness.com or through the form on our website. Until next time, dear one, and remember, when the darkness looks your way, hold its gaze.